0: Hey, I joke around a lot, but this is a, this is real life. This is serious business. Life is hard. Jesus said it would be right, and that's that's why I think this is a this is a message for now. It, on, uh yesterday morning, I, I wake up. I've been waking up so early. Um, I'm sitting in the hotel room with my Bible and praying. And I'm like, Lord. I mean, I honestly, if I'm honest with you guys, I, my mind was all on the the boat thing. I usually I'll read my Bible and I'll know. And, you know, I'll get scriptures and just put them aside. And then Sunday morning at home I put the message together and, you know, you can decide if you think it works or not. But I didn't have any scriptures. I didn't have any thoughts. I just a blank sheet of paper. And I actually um, opened up one of my commentaries. And in the commentary they have a section that is topical. And you can scroll through the topics and he'll have a little write-up on that topic. And his it's all full of scripture. I thought, maybe I'll just go there and, you know, find something to talk about. I'm scrolling through the topics, and um, I found a topic. It was hope. So I tapped on hope. I start reading the thing. I went and looked at one of his scriptures, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to lean on this guy, and I'll have something to talk about on Sunday. It'll be hope. That's, that's a good message. I don't really talk on hope a whole lot. And then as I'm looking at his scripture, and then I have a thought, and I go to a scripture, I have another thought. I go to Scripture. I put the Scriptures in my notes. The next thing I know, I don't have any conversation about hope. I don't have a sermon that came from, because I've never, honestly, you can, I can look you in the eye and tell you, I came from zero, right? I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go to Bible college. I took the um, correspondence course with the Assemblies of God to get my credentials. And at that point, I'd read the Bible enough that all the Bible courses, I just took the test and passed it. I didn't even read the books. I don't think I have to be that. I have to be as called by God and have an anointing, right? My point is this that all of a sudden I got a sermon. And it, happened, it never happened so easy in my life. I've never, ever preached somebody else's sermon. I, I don't know that I would criticize somebody if they did, but I never have. I've never gone to a book and had it teach me a sermon like I was about to do with Hope for today. So, yeah, right. But life is hard. and, and, and and dealing with stuff like you guys got so much stuff going on. I'm pointing at Jeremiah. I know what your stuff because I live there. But <laughs> your stuff is me. <laughs> um, life is hard, and and how we see life has a huge bearing on its hardness. You know what I'm saying? And and that's what I want to talk to you about today. It's um, I want to talk. I wanted to talk about the gospel, but I feel like the couple of weeks before Christmas. I'm not talking about the gospel. You know, um, Christmas, people might be here, they might not be here. I'll save that till after the first of the year. But Christmas, there's a song that says it's the most wonderful time of the year. Now, for kids, that probably can be true. Maybe for some kids, it's horrible because they don't get any presents. For husbands, it could be true because they don't do much of anything. But for wives, I don't know too many wives that would say Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Because they pretty much, well, maybe I'm just ratting myself out, but they pretty much do everything. We don't have a Christmas tree up. <laughs> they pretty much do everything. And, and I, I'm familiar with a lot of people that Christmas is the most stressful time of the year. It's the most anxiety-filled time of the year. And then after the first of the year, because of our perspective maybe, not, not, maybe not in here, but people you know, Um, becomes the most pressure time of the year because the credit card bill comes. And you got to pay for this Christmas you couldn't afford, but you don't want anybody to know you couldn't afford a Christmas, so you you did the stuff because somebody else's kid isn't going to have a toy that my kid can't have, by gosh. So you spend money that you don't have to give junk that they don't need, and and the most wonderful time of the year isn't giving a gift because I want to recognize the gift that was given to me jesus christ you know and i'll recognize it by doing the same it becomes this this whole thing that people are so glad when it's done instead of that it's actually happening i think to some extent our lives can be like that all the time for example let's say um think about yesterday for just a minute your yesterday you don't have to answer me but in your own mind good day or bad day Today, good day, bad day so far? Hmm, furnace isn't working at church. Tomorrow, what's your expectation? Good day, bad day? Oh, i got to go back to work. Oh. Will your latter days exceed your former days? Right, The scripture talks about your latter days ex- being greater than your former days. Will that be the case? Well, if, if yesterday was a good day, how come? I mean, what made it a good day? If it was a bad day, how come? What made it a bad day? Right? I... I I, <laughs> I don't know how early in the morning. I think I woke up at 3.30 yesterday. I don't know what time of the morning it actually was when all this starts coming to me, and I had this thought in my head. There's a song. Maybe it's the OJs. I looked it up. It's called Living for the Weekend. Ever been in that situation in your life? Like if you had a Monday to Friday kind of job, and by the end of the week your head's ready to explode, and you're like, man, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. Because that's a highlight of, of our life is we don't have to go to work. But then what happens on Sunday? Oh, tomorrow's Monday. You know, so I'm just living for the weekend. I should have put the lyrics in here. It was it was pretty silly. But it's it's not untrue necessarily. And, you know, I gotta camp no offense. You know, I get away for the weekend and go camping. Uh, but then I gotta come home. And I went camping, but nothing really changed. I forgot about home for a minute, work. I got uh, friends, not not intimate friends at all, acquaintances would probably be better, uh, that were together on Facebook, fairly well-off people. Um, And the wife put on her Facebook that they were going to a resort someplace warm. And uh, she put in there with that post, I deserve this, or I need this, I need this. And then the post you know, pictures and stuff from the you know the drinks with the umbrellas in them and, and the beautiful pool, and she put a statement up there who says warm weather bars and restaurants don't bring happiness, except she's going to come home, and home will be cold. I, I, I actually know this because I was in Florida yesterday. It's going to be cold, and you can't have cocktails for breakfast every day, and you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's almost like it's fake. It's, it's, a, it's trying to make something something that isn't something. Now, I'm not saying going to Florida for a week can't be a nice, refreshing thing to do. you've got to be careful on how you see it. So all that's the preamble to this. I know I've read Ecclesiastes in the past because I have highlights in there. So there's, a, there's evidence that I've been there before. I broke some twigs on my way through. I'm going to read to you a little bit from Ecclesiastes to make that point, and then I'll share you some other scriptures. And the point, the, the, the thing that I want to have happen today is I want to encourage you, if you're in a tough place in your life, that how you perceive life can change your situation if none of the actual circumstances change. Okay? All right, so Ecclesiastes... Um, Believed to be written by King Solomon, but nobody's certain that King Solomon wrote it. But it it, it, it seems to indicate that he wrote it. And he uh, was offered, like God told him he'd give him what he wanted. And he didn't ask for riches and things. He asked for wisdom because he was becoming king over God's people Israel. And he wanted to do a good job of being their king. And God said because of that, he really rewarded him like crazy. And this is kind of Solomon explaining what he's learned in life. Okay, so uh, I'm going to start in chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities. And in this case, it's not vanity like, you know, oh, my hair looks so good today. It's vanity in, in what matters and what doesn't matter. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does a man have in all his work, which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place, it rises there again. Blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling along. And on its circular course, the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the li- rivers flow, there they flow again. That one really resonated with me. It's like, let's say I'm a river. I'm, maybe I'm just like a little tributary. And then I become like the Mississippi River. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm somebody. Look at all the water that's passing through me. And I'm dumping it all in that ocean. And at the end of the day, the ocean, they get one inch deep bigger. It stayed the same. So, you know, I call for the rain to come and the rain comes and fills the tributaries and I surge over my banks and the ocean don't change one bit. It stays, doesn't change one bit. It stays the same. It's like, it's vanity. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That speaks to warm weather bars and restaurants. At the end of the day, you go to bed and it's like, what's different in my world? You get on the airplane, and what's different is your world? No warm, no bar, no restaurant. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one might say, see this, it is new. Already, it has existed for ages which will be for us. There is no remembrance of earlier things also, and also of the latter things which will occur. There will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. I think the Lord was preparing me for this. In the last couple of weeks, I've had moments of thought like, I get enamored with this boat. It's like, I don't understand it. It's, it's intimidating to me. But it's a cool life change for us. It's like something to look forward to. And I had to be very careful that the boat doesn't become the thing. The boat is just a means to a thing. It's it's a tool to accomplish what the Lord has for us. But it's not why we do anything. It's about getting done what we're going to do. And I had to remind myself that because I'll, I'll be enamored thinking about the boat and that kind of stuff. That led me to thoughts. that that correction led me to thoughts about like myself or my mom for example i love my mom my mom's been dead for almost 10 years in april will be 10 years Is that right? 2011 she died yeah she'll be dead for 10 years you know who thinks about my mom besides me and my brother on this whole earth maybe teresa nobody nobody thinks about my mom they don't spend a second pondering my mom and her life's accomplishments i don't either I think about my mom on her birthday. I might think about my mom on my birthday. Every once in a while, my mom enters my mind. I say, God, thanks. You know, she was a pretty good mom. My mom. But 20 years from now, 50 years, 100 years when I'm gone, my son's gone, nobody, nobody is going to think about my mom. Nobody's going to think about me. Nobody is going to care. After anybody that, whose life I touched in a positive way is gone, it, it's nothing. It's all nothing. I've been having those thoughts a lot. It's like, so how would I want to live my life? Not that anybody remembers me, but but that it matters to some end. That's why I love having a call. I have a call here, and I like that, because there's purpose. That's not just warm weather, cocktails, and good food in restaurants, because I have lots of money and I can afford it kind of thing. There is no remembrance of earlier things, and also of the latter things which will occur there will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. Fast forward to chapter 2. This is verses 10 and 11. Solomon speaking. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. He was in a position with so much wealth and so much power that if his eyes looked on something, he could have it. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure For my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun. The wind blows this way, you think it'd be cool to catch the wind, so you chase it, and what do you find out? It went someplace else. So you chase it where you think it went. You chase the wind. You chase the wind, but you're never going to catch it. And, and if you catch wind, what do you got? Nothing, right? It's all vanity, striving after wind. Fast forward again now to chapter five, verses ten through twelve: the folly of riches. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. You know who the most oppressed people are in the world are? Rich people. You know. Well, here I am, your your Monday morning psychiatrist, but probably, probably because. If I could just be a millionaire, I'd be so happy. And then they get a million and they find out they're not happy. So now it needs to be 10 million. And then it needs to be 100 million. And it needs to be a billion. And what they found out, the thing that they wanted to hang their hat on their whole life, didn't bring them any happiness. And they're sad because now they got, once you're a billionaire, to be a 10 10 billionaire, I don't know what you call that, you pretty much know that more money isn't going to be your answer to happiness, right? He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. So, what is the advantage? <laughs> Teresa's brother Don has a, a lady friend that they're like they're married, but they're not married. Her name's Pam. Pam is a waitress in like a pancake restaurant. You know, she's 60 years old or something like that. That's her life. She buys a scratch-off lotto ticket and wins a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, And it says when, when, you, when, you, when you get a bunch of money, you get a bunch of people that want to help you spend it. My guess is she has friends she didn't even know she had. <laughs> when good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what is the advantage to their owners except to look on? The sl- there you go. Listen to this. The sleep of the working man is pleasant whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. The poor guy, he, he's like, man, I don't have that much even to eat. And he eats whatever he has, and he goes to bed. But because his belly's, and trust me, I know this, his belly's not all full of food. He wakes up in the morning, and had a good night's rest, but the rich guy, he can eat whatever he wants, so he does. And then he rolls around and tosses and turns and belches and burps and wakes up in the morning, he feels crappy, miserable. Because, he overindulged himself. The poor guy didn't have that problem. The rich guy does. It's all vanity. And then finally, this is, this is if it's Solomon, this is his conclusion. Chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. The, clue, uh, the conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. And you know what I think? I think Solomon's right. Let's just assume it's Solomon for the sake of conversation. I think he's right. I think that at the end of the day, you can chase wind until the cows come home and you won't be satisfied. You can chase money and you can find it and you won't be satisfied. There's only one way to find satisfaction and that's to serve God and his commandments. Every person. So so let's go to the New Testament. Here's some wise instruction. that that goes along with this theme. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus speaking. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm going to read a parallel scripture in one second, but I want to say this to you. The, the desire of your heart is not just something outside of your control. The desire of my heart is boat. I've been looking at boats for months and months and months sailboats and then powerboats and boats and boats and boats. But boats are not going to be the desire of my heart. I, and I'm deciding that. And I'm making that so that's not the, the case. Do you follow me? If your desire is for warm weather and cocktails and nice restaurants, <laughs> it just flipped to 1111. 11, Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse one through 11. 11, 11. It's every place I'm telling them. Ah. <laughs> Come on, 11, 11. <laughs> 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 one, 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 one drive. Um, your desires can be what you choose for them to be, and what God will help you to make them to be. I'll talk about that in a second. Where your treasure is, you decide what's going to be your treasure. Your heart will follow. Your heart doesn't lead, and then you follow. You make a decision, and your heart will follow. Parallel in Luke, chapter 12, 32 through 34. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts, which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near, nor no near nor no moth destroys again for where your treasure is there your heart will be also i wanted to include that one because jesus is saying don't be afraid church on the street your father has chosen gladly not like begrudgingly gladly to give you the kingdom so i'm deciding that that's going to be my desire that's going to be my passion is his kingdom And I promise you, I will be really happy because I don't have to beg for it because he's glad for me to have it. Now, there may be some holiness conditions and things like that that he's going to expect of me, but I have seen the manifestation of his kingdom and there is nothing more glorious than the manifestation of God's kingdom. I promise you. And I've seen it with eyes that can't look on the glory of God without dying. Can you imagine in eternity what it's going to be like to experience the fullness of God's kingdom. 1 Timothy 6. Seven, remember, wise, this is wise counsel. First Timothy 6, 17-19. This is the Apostle Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will re- be revealed with him in glory. So, so from those passages, what, what is the treasure of my heart or your heart? take hold of that which is life indeed see there's a difference there's life but there's life indeed there's life according to the world and there's life indeed they're different we got to decide which one we want because the world is making its thing look extremely desirous like warm weather cocktails and restaurants i don't think any of those are bad by well maybe too many cocktails would be bad but I don't think it's wrong to enjoy a time at a resort and you know have a cocktail if you want to and, and a nice meal. It's not bad, but it's, it's where the treasure of your heart is. is. Is that where the focus of your life is and where you're going to find your joy and your happiness? Because that person that I know was rich like crazy, million-plus-dollar house, and then the economy went down, and they were getting their groceries at the um, food bank. But there are people that know how to make money. The economy rebounds, get into new businesses, and here here they are again. The point is, it's like grabbing air. It it can be gone as fast as it can be there. If you set your heart on that, when it goes away, praise God, they didn't. But you might want to shoot yourself in the head because you think your life has ended. And it could just be God teaching you to be like Jesus. God's kingdom or earthly treasures. God's kingdom, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I always want to say Holy Ghost. I must have heard that one first in King James. Life hidden in Christ. Our Father's gladly chosen to give us his kingdom. Be rich in good works. Generous and ready to share. Take hold of that which is life indeed. Set your mind. Make a decision. Remember I said you don't have to follow your heart. You can set your mind and make a decision. Matter of fact, is it Romans? The mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life, right? Set your mind. First John 2 16 and 17. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. See, the, the world wants us to value and chase after the things it desires. Things that pass away, things with no eternal value. And don't you know there's pressure on every one of us to do that? All you've got to do is watch TV. All you've got to do is drive your car. Because the world will show you a better car, and the world will show you a billboard, and the world will show you, or the enemy, will put thoughts in your head. He wants us to be drawn towards those things that are not God's kingdom. Because the devil thrives outside of God's kingdom. But when Sherry prays kingdom prayers, the devil has to come off of that guy whose life he's trying to screw up. When we pray kingdom prayers, the the, the devil got to come off Daniel Palmer, making him think there's something wrong with him, when it turns out there wasn't. The desires... Um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life, are not from God. He, he leads us to desire very different things. We need to be careful about what we treasure and the influences on our desires. This next one, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12, is is I, I can speak to this one from experience as well. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So I look at that post of that lady and I see her at the... Pool, the fancy resort with the cocktail with the umbrella in it and 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 the guy at the waiter bringing her the sumptuous meal and i think i want that and it makes me sick because i can't have it you know how many of you you probably don't want to raise your hands are old enough to remember the show lifestyles of the rich and famous you know how many people that screwed up Because it showed them this stuff that they could desire after, but they could never have. When we were in Africa the first time, in Mozambique, you know, we were were talking. I don't remember if the guy could speak English, the African guy, or it was through a translator. But you know what he said to us? I think we were talking about an iPod at the time. He said, we never knew we were poor until you told us. He never had seeing rich, wealthy Western people show up with their iPods and their this and their that and make him feel like what he had wasn't enough. He, He was very satisfied until something changed and made him desire what he couldn't have. And then he was sad. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I prayed this years and years ago, and I've prayed it since. (laughs) i would not from a pulpit tell you what some of my desires were before i knew jesus but they were consistent with probably what lots of years were before you knew jesus and then i realized oh my gosh i can't be a christian and have those things so i had a choice to make i could either just be sad because now i'm a christian and i can't have them or i could say god i mean i didn't know anything about this scripture when i prayed this prayer i said god would you do this for me? Would you come in? Because how do I change? I change by the power of God from glory to glory under the likeness of Christ, according to my own agreement with his truth, right? So I said, God, if that's true, then I want you to give me your desires. And then they'll be my desires. And if my desire is you know, to be Solomon, forgive me, Teresa, it would never have been this, but if my desire was to be Solomon, I didn't read you about the part where he gave himself um, concubines after concubines after concubines, right?, if that's my desire, God's never going to respond to that prayer. But if, my, if he makes my desire to see somebody come to faith by sharing the gospel, then I'm going to be so happy because whenever I do it, I'm going to get my desire realized. So I just started praying, Lord, let your desires be my desires. And honestly, quite frankly, I think this going, not that you, know, you guys wouldn't be my desire, you have been for a number of years. But I'm excited about that because it's my desire. Why is it my desire? Because he put it in me. And now I'm excited to have my own desire, which was his desire. It makes me so happy. Ask God to shape and define your desires. And, and, and this is my testimony, but I know this is truth. The outcome won't be if you say, okay, God, um, you just make your desires my desires. I'll just do whatever you want me to do. And I and I'll be miserable doing it. That's not what will happen. What will happen is he will change us so that we will want what he wants to the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, to see the, the works of the devil destroyed, to lead lost sinners to salvation, and we'll be so happy because sorry, we'll be so happy because it's our desire. That's a safe prayer. I should have put this scripture in there. There's a scripture, I think it's in Second Corinthians. It talks about God giving seed to the sower. You know, like, you don't even have to figure out how to get seed. If you want to sow into his kingdom, he's going to provide for you so that you can sow. He, he takes care of what you need to do what it is he's given you to desire. That plays into this verse I want to read you from Acts chapter 20. It's the Apostle Paul. It's so cool. I think he's at Miletus, or Miletus, I don't know how you say it, but he's at this, I think it's a port city. And when he gets there, he sends somebody to Ephesus, go get the elders in Ephesus and bring them to me. And he's basically telling them, you're probably never going to see me again. I'm on my way to Jerusalem, you know, it's been prophesied that he was going to get bound up and and bad stuff was going to happen to him. If you read in Acts chapter 20, Paul, as he's speaking to these people he loves for probably the last time, you see a beautiful thing that describes his work for them to see as an example and the different things he did, but he ends it with this. He says, in everything, this is verse 35, in everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we use the word blessed a lot, but blessed basically means happy. Okay? Okay? So so if I bless you, I've done something that brings happiness to you. You've been blessed. You get more happiness, you get more joy when you give something than when something is given to you. I know it's true because Paul said it right there under the inspiration of God. So as as we talk about seed for the sower, if he gives us seed to sow, he's giving us the opportunity to increase in happiness. If he gives us seed and we hoard it, then there's no joy that's going to come from that because we didn't actually operate in the kingdom principle that it was established to do. So when we have something, remember earlier I talked about being ready to share, and then we share? Guess what increases? Blessing. Happiness. I'm getting close. Let me give you two um, verses from the Gospel of John. First, Uh, Chapter 10 and verse 10, you'll be so familiar with this one. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus speaking. Jesus, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then in chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So one statement says that I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Like, you might even feel a baby kick in a mommy's belly. Would that be awesome? Is it awesome? It is awesome. But in the process of all that, you get to experience tribulation. Not so awesome, is it, Jess? No. It's, it's not awesome, especially when, when and I'm not trying to correct Jessica, but when when, when it becomes your focus in its negativeness, there's no awesomeness to it. So you got this... Tension between the two. Perspective. Let's think about perspective for a second. Maybe a fruit of kill, steal, and destroy and tribulation in the world has to do with perspective and how we perceive life. So Jesus said you're going to have tribulation, right? And the devil is here to kill, steal, and destroy. So when he's trying to infuse things into your life that feel like kill, steal, and destroy, and God, who's sovereign, allows it to happen, then you've got to ask yourself, how come? You could ask James. He'd say, consider it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. For the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work, that you might be mature and complete and lacking nothing. So if you say, oh, this trial sucks because, oh, I said another bad word. I don't really think it's a bad word. Um, if if your perspective is, oh, my gosh, this is so horrible, I hate Whatever this is. No cocktails, no fancy restaurants in cold weather. But then if you change your perspective and you say, I wonder what God's working out in me that's going to make me more like Jesus, you can smile, right? Perspective. Remember when Janet was here a couple weeks ago? And she's, she's ready to kill herself. She was so miserable. And she shared with us. And I went over to her, and I looked at her, and she looked in my eyes. I'm like, right there. I said, I want you to... Do something I tell you. Will you do what I ask you to do? She said, I think so. I said, okay, you ready? She said, yeah. I said, smile. Literally, her face, she's like, what? I said, no, no, no. I didn't say question me. I said, smile. She said, why? I said, there's no reason why. Just do what I ask you to do and smile. And she smiled. And her whole face lit up. And she started to like, started to laugh. I didn't tell a joke. I don't have any jokes. But something changed. Why? Because she decided to to not be focused on her misery. She had nothing to focus on, but she just changed the physical posture of her face. And then guess what happened? It got on me! And I smiled. How powerful is that? It seems stupid, but it's not stupid. It's real. Maybe how we perceive life has more to do with whether we like it or we hate it than the actual thing that is life. Maybe through flaming arrows, the enemy keeps us chasing after and highly valuing things that are merely vain and chasing after wind. Maybe through the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, we don't consider that which is actually life. What is life? The trial? Or is life what God's doing in the trial? It can be either or it can be both. You know how that is? You decide. Faith, you get to pick. Right? The horse steps on your foot or kicks you, whatever the horse did. I'm not sure how to work that one. But God works all things to good, to those that love him, those that are called according to his purposes. All things, even the miserable stuff that Jessica and Daniel are going through, God is going to find a way to glorify himself in it and work it to good. Maybe we've fallen prey to thinking like the world, and we measure good and bad, happy and sad from the world's perspective and not from the Lord's. I know I have been guilty of that, had that deception. Maybe being in Jesus has more to do with seeing through his eyes and taking hold of his perspectives so that we actually have peace and abundance. Maybe uh, abundance. Remember, I, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it in abundance. Maybe that abundance is not a better car, or exceeding the world's measure, or pleasing the vanity of men, but filling ourselves with good deeds, sharing, and the joy of loving others more than we love ourselves. Seeing through the world's lens is vanity and chasing after the wind. And, and that's exactly what it'll get you. Nothing. Seeing through God's perspective positions us to receive God's promises. So before I get to the last two scriptures I want to read to you, I just want to summarize because sometimes I get so caught up in the thing I forget about what the bigger thing is. Here's the bigger thing. Let's use Christmas as the analogy. Christmas can be the greatest time in the world or it can be the worst time in the world. Depends on how you see it. I I know people, I mean, we've probably been those people. We had a Christmas at our house. When I worked at HP, we had a Christmas tree, and I'm telling you, there was presents packed this high everywhere. You could almost not see the tree. Christmas morning, Ryan and Joe ran down there. Me and Tree sat in the chair and watched, and we're going to get our joy from having blessed our kids so much. They're going to get their joy from all the stuff that they got. Tear open the present, take a look at it, throw it to the side. Grab another one, tear open the present, look at it, throw it to the side. Tear open the present, ooh, play with it for a minute, throw it to the side. Guess where our joy was? It was like, this is the dumbest thing we ever did in our whole life. I'll tell you what, Mrs. Brady, the next year, guess what they got? They got one present each, and they got like 50 bucks each. So we went up to, no, 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 Um, yeah, to go to the store and buy a present for somebody. We took it to Carriage Town, and they could give it to somebody I didn't have that much joy, but we did. (laughs) (laughs) The point is, you're chasing after wind, right? So if we can look through the lens of what God is trying to teach us in his word, it makes Ecclesiastes the coolest book ever because Solomon got it. He's like, you know how he got it? Listen, I'm the richest guy that's ever been. Short of Jesus, I'm the wisest guy that's ever been. I applied it. To everything that my eyes saw, I could have it. Everything that my heart desired, I could have it. And guess what I find out? Pfft, it's good for nothing. There's only one thing that matters. It's doing what God says. It's serving God, him forth his kingdom. And the rest of the Bible tells us the same dang thing. Okay, now you may or may not agree with me. This is, this is a limited perspective, but I think it's a good one, and I really believe it's from the Lord. Romans 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Think about that in the context of what we just talked about. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the wo- will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So that's a good That's a good teaching right there, right? Don't be conformed to the ways of the world. Don't buy a thousand presents for your unappreciative kids who aren't going to be satisfied with it, who when they're five years older, it's all in a dumpster or you put it in a box and you move it three times. I know that one too. Just leave it at the store. And don't teach them that that's what life is about. Because, see, somebody taught my acquaintance friend that life is about Warm weather, cocktails, bars, and restaurants. But it's not about that, right? So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. But there's a reason, so that you may prove the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I think that's how that one reads. Here's the second verse I want to share in that context. 1 Thessalonians five, sixteen through 18. Re- ready? Ready? Rejoice always. I'm going to cry. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, here's what I think. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. God's will for you in your life. You could find a million verses and say, that's it. And I'd agree with you. So this is kind of a summary thing. God's will for you is to rejoice always. How do you rejoice always? First, you've got to change the way you think. And then, when you get one present, you're thankful. But when you get the 50 bucks to go buy something for somebody who didn't have the one present, you're full of joy. Pray without ceasing. What would you pray? What might you pray? You might pray, Father God, if there's a desire in my heart that isn't a desire from your heart, I I ask you, I give you permission, however it works, God, I'm asking you to cleanse me of anything that doesn't bring real abundant life. Fill my heart with your desires. That might be a way to pray without ceasing. And finally, God, I can't help but rejoice. God, you've changed my desires, and all you can do is be thankful. On that note, everybody says amen. That's a proper finish. It's 11.35. Probably you all got stuff you need to do. I would just ask you, don't do it yet. I mean, unless it's God's desires, right? As, as we praise the Lord, as we invite his presence. Now, you know he's here, right? I mean, the kingdom is inside of me, right? Gosh, I keep, I keep hearing kingdom verses. The kingdom is not in words, but in power. How about we exercise a little kingdom this morning over people that need it over Jeremiah and sherry and their family and their living situations and the stressful job and and the palmers and, and you know all the trials that they're going through and 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 probably the bunch of other ones that I don't even know about the the white family can't seem to shake one you know well there's nine of them you know you've got so much opportunity but but one sickness thing after the next sickness thing after migraine headaches after covid's after all that kind of stuff and maybe let's just bring a little kingdom to bear for our nation who seems like its brain has gone off tilt right now and and let's don't be afraid to just spend a little time and pray don't be afraid to lean over and talk to somebody hey what what can i pray for you about and and let's exercise what god's given us to bring about his will on earth as it is in heaven amen Okay, um, Keith and um, Bruce, would you come and we'll just take the offering real quick. Hey, can I just tell you something else? This is real. Um, I joked about, does anybody have a calling, you know, like a pastoral calling on your life? When I started, man, it was hard. Nobody told me, right? In the sermon, it was the thing you always think about. The ministry part was actually kind of easy. But you worry about, I've got to write a sermon, I've got to write a sermon. And then you want it only to be from God, but, you know, God doesn't just write it for you so much. Until you learn that it really only going to ever come from God. And then when you don't have anything on Saturday night, you know that you'll just get up early tomorrow morning before church and will give it to you. It took time to learn that. But it's truth. I wish I would have learned it earlier. I could have saved myself some anxiety. I sat with God on Friday morning. Here's what I think happened. God, I haven't thought for one second about what am I going to talk about on Sunday. I don't want to come here and just blurb off something that doesn't come from heaven that nobody cares about. And I had a thought, and you know what that thought was? Let's go to this commentary and look at those topics and let that guy give me something I can talk about. And then I said, Lord, I don't know. I've never done that before, but I'm kind of desperate at that point, so I do. And he used it to just, just, just like like we started the little heaters. You push a button, the fire, the 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 Gas is flowing when you push the button. Then the spark hits the gas and you've got a flame. He used it to just spark the flame. And then the message didn't have anything to do with what I thought. It had nothing to do with the article. I didn't even read the article that the guy wrote. Because I don't have to be smart. For you, faith, to pray for who knows what's his thing, you don't have to be very smart. I mean, you know, for you, you are be very smart. But you don't have to be. Because you only have to be willing and surrender and then god's anointing will come and you'll pray and his will will get done it's true for all of us if you're afraid oh you know i can't pray like sherry it's like you don't got to pray like sherry you just got to say god if you would invade my thoughts as i minister to my brother and my sister guess what will happen he'll pray like sherry might not sound like the same words but it'll come from the same god and it'll have the same effect It's not easy being a Christian. But it sure can be glorious, you know? I mean, it really can. But we've got to see through the lens of, of God. Yeah, he is God, Christ Jesus, the Lord's eyes. So, Father God, thank you for today. I believe, no credit to myself, I'm just a guy who, a donkey that talks. That just blesses me. And I know, Lord, that you are no respecter of persons. There is no person that you're more concerned with using than another person. And you even say that those that have the less I don't know what the word is tasks, assignments in the kingdom of heaven, that you ask your church to assign them even more uh, glory so that we don't get to think that this one is better than that one. No. None is better because it's, it's gifts that operate. It's not talents that operate. It's gifts that operate. So Father God, thank you for teaching us that if we can see through your eyes, circumstances don't have to define our joy, our peace, or our happiness. Thank you, Lord, that, that we have everything that we need through Christ Jesus our Lord, through you, all your provision, all your love, all your care, all your anointing, Thank you, Lord, that you've provided for us financially, that when the guy gives us the bill to fix the furnace, unless you want to divinely give it health, we would be okay with that. But when that guy hands us a bill, we're going to hand him money because you've already made us ready for that need. So take this, Lord, this offering, and bless it. (laughs) By my definition, make the offering happy, Lord. It'll be a happy offering. Multiply it by your power and convict us to spend it in the ways that you'd have it to be spent. Everything we do, all of our thanksgiving, all of our praise, our life, we do when we speak